0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. In case you missed it, last week we had another installment of our mental health series with Tommy. He came back with us and brought Lynn Bell Lewis. So we talked all about, more in depth about the male experience, um, navigating mental health and wellness. And then specifically, we touched a little bit more on being a black male. In our society navigating mental health and wellness. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. This week, um, our guest is Dara Hoffman Fox. If you're not familiar, Dara, they, they are a prominent figure and, and an advocate for transgender, non-binary, line, words, guys, transgender, non-binary, and gender questioning populations. So we're so happy you made time in your busy schedule for us, Dara.
1: I am so appreciative for the invitation to join you. Thank you.
2: Welcome, Dara. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, we know that, you know, you could have said no. Healthy boundaries are great. You do so much work in this arena. And to do something that's not paid, we understand, is a a blessing. And we appreciate your time. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about you? You know like who you are, how you got to this point in life doing this work.
1: Mhm. And f- for real's, thank you for mentioning that. Um I personally find giving interviews really um sort of like this it sort of feeds the other part of me in which my undergraduate degree was in communication because I wanted to have a career that had to do with like media and film and things like that and it feels like it's sort of this I didn't know back in the 90s that this would be a way to like oh we're gonna have video and we have things called podcasts and you can talk on them and it's like you're on a talk show. Um, That's something I always have wanted to do. And I know just how much it can help many people at the same time to have an audience of multiple folks um, to receive the information. So thanks um, again for that. So, okay. Um my name is Dara, my pronouns are they them, and I am a licensed professional counselor here in Colorado. I have a private practice and have had one since 2008. Um, Colorado is, um, especially back then was, is very known to be a conservative area. And so for me to put myself out there, um, I call my business, the Bohemian sanctuary. And so it's like, I want to make sure people know if you're having a hard time finding an affirming therapist, which back then was for like anything, pretty much LGBTQ polyamory kink, all of that. Um, it's not perfect nowadays either. It's still a little bit difficult to find the right folks to work with, but, um, it really felt like a calling that I needed to be able to put myself out there as someone that people in this area could feel safe working with. And so um I was working right from the start with people who are gender questioning and transgender. And um, back then I think non-binary was not even a word that we mentioned, which is why I didn't know I was non-binary either <laughs> at the time. So I actually was in private practice for six years working with trans clients until I started to realize that I myself um am trans and I'm non-binary. And so during that time, starting in 2014, I started to have um a sense that I wanted to do more than just do individual work with clients when it came to um, helping people who are gender questioning and transgender and non-binary. And so because of that aforementioned affinity that I have for things like writing and blogging and, um, video, I just started to put myself out there in different multimedia ways. And it really just kind of took off and got a life of its own. It really was information that was very much needed. Um, and I think because I just enjoy putting things out there, um, in that way, it just the energy just fed upon itself. And so before you knew it, there's um, this sort of platform that I have in which I can share this information. And then, yeah, in 2014 is when um, it's kind of a long story, but basically, I went to a workshop where they were talking about non binary identities. And um, I was like, oh my goodness, wait, there's something here that feels like. I need to sit with this for a moment. Um, And so that was really helpful. It helped when I also went through the process of of writing my book, which is a guide to help people who are gender questioning. And I myself was sort of the first reader of the book as I figured out my own um, gender identity through the process of writing that book as well. So I would say present day, I still have my private practice, still seeing clients very much. This morning, I actually did my first in-person training since January 2020. Um, I've been doing a lot of Zoom trainings and presenting at conferences virtually uh, during this time. So it's been great to get that information out there, but it's so nice to be able to be able to safely um, be able to do this again in person. So I love doing the trainings. Um, I still really enjoy just putting information out there as much as possible to help, especially therapists. I really, really enjoy teaching therapists who are not trans, who want to work with trans clients. And um, that's been feeling especially like part of my focus in the last few months or so.
2: Thank you. I just want to, yeah, no, I was going to say thank you. I just want to thank you for pointing out. I think oftentimes people look at therapists as um, we have it all together and we know like we're confident. We know everything about ourselves and, you know, you just sharing that, that vulnerable piece of realizing like, oh, you know what? There's a part of me that I think I, I'm not sure. And I need to learn about my identity and that just goes to show, you know, the rest of the world that are seeking therapy or considering it that we're human too. And we grow every day along with you. And a lot of the experiences we have with our clients then encourage us to go do our own work. So I just wanted to say, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it'll resonate with a lot of folks.
1: Mm, That's a really good point. And the second thought that came to me in that case after that was, oh no, people are going to think I'm just saying I'm non-binary because... They're going to think I wanted to get close to them or be like them. Or yeah, it, it was like, uh, as a therapist, I should have known all along. So yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's not how it works. We're learning too.
0: Absolutely. I saw your um, Instagram post earlier about your in-person and like how that, how it felt for you to finally be back and safely able to do those the workshops in person. So I love oh, that. Oh, nice. Way. Thank you um, doing like all the things. And I love that you also have the piece of what you do with, you know, educating and spreading that information to fellow therapists, because like I'm, before, or we, before we started recording, you know, I've, I've found clients who are, you know, LGBTQ plus in my area where I'm a rural Southeastern area. Not many practices are, you know, presenting themselves or, are affirming to those populations. So I've been educating myself a lot, a ton lately. And then all of the, nowadays, all the different kind of platforms and Amanda and I talk about TikTok all the time, or, you know, Instagram, just so many platforms. So thank you for what you
1: do. You know, it's interesting. I've been providing consultation to a lot of therapists in rural areas because that's oftentimes what happens. Like I've worked with somebody in Alaska and like Southern New Jersey and Southern Georgia, like just, they're like, okay, like I am cisgender and there's nobody within hundreds of miles for anybody to work with. And so, you know, can you help? And I just think that's amazing that like, and I think it's important for people to know that, you know, as a cisgender um, provider that we still need you. Like we absolutely need you to be a part of this. Like it's a movement really to provide this, um, safe space for those who are gender questioning and trans and Mm non-binary.
0: I messaged a man earlier. I was doing a, a training, um, not related to the topic particularly, but it was for eating disorders and kind of monitoring and different methods for working with individuals with eating disorders. And, long thing short I was sitting there and there was like over a hundred of us in this training and it was on zoom the whole thing and the the speaker was kind of specialized in eating disorders within LGBTQ plus um, populations and I was the only one literally the only person that entire zoom training that had their pronouns on their hmm. username
1: wow and these
0: are things that I'm noticing now that like before I you know I had that ignorance and things, and I'm something that caught my eye. So, um, any way that we, and then, like I said, thank you so much for being here to keep spreading that information.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank y'all for being not just interested, but like really wanting to, to. Be a presence in this as well. I taught the group earlier today about how they could add their pronouns on Zoom. So it's funny you mentioned that because I'm like, it's the smallest little thing, but it would make such a big deal if you do this. And people will notice if you do it. And like you said, people will notice if you don't do it either. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs>
0: oh, So oh. But um, for those who are in the beginning stages or increasing their knowledge in this area, do you mind sharing some some of like the basic terminology? that we should all be familiar with regarding transgender non-binary and
1: that population. Sure. Um, I'll start like in a certain place and then kind of pause and check in and see how that lands with you. Um, I did realize that I was just throwing around the word cisgender without explaining what it means. So this is a good time to to explain that. But um, basically when we are um, born and sometimes before we're born, um, there is an ability to see what our genitalia looks like, and then we are assigned a gender and a sex based on that external appearance of the genitalia. And so for some people, and let's say a higher number of people, it's a just a fortunate coincidence that the gender that they're assigned at birth because of that genitalia, it is actually their gender identity. You know, So for instance, someone's assigned male because there's penis and they're like, yay. Turns out I am a male and vice versa in terms of um, someone assigned female at birth. And so um, that means that person is cisgender and cis is the Latin prefix for same. So it means you feel the same as that gender you were assigned at birth. And I purposely use like, that language of like, what a coincidence, because it really is, it's sort of, it's a bit arbitrary. And just because it's a higher number of people who are than aren't, um, there are other folks, let's say like myself included, where I was assigned a gender at birth, which was female. And then it turns out I am neither male or female, I am non binary, um, which means that there's many different ways to explain it. But basically, um, I do not feel that my gender is in its entirety male or entirety female. Um, and when somebody's non-binary, it could be they feel like that they are a mixture of both or that they're neither and they have no gender. Um, there's so much option. There's just openness and freedom of being able to really just play around with that and see what it feels like. There's pros and cons to that that we can d- discuss. Um, but when somebody is does not align with their gender assigned at birth, um, basically that umbrella is trans or transgender those words are being used interchangeably although i have noticed trans is being used much more often especially for those who are young um, for the youth Um, transgender sometimes is used more often when someone is then going to be pursuing um, a lot of medical gender affirming transition steps such as hormone therapy and and um, surgery it's almost like it replaced the word transsexual which you will probably never hear unless you know somebody who's probably older um, maybe in their 60s or 70s that's the word they were taught when they were young is what this means to be Um, so there's lots of different words there's lots of different updates to those words it can be interesting to try to keep up with them i'm usually updated by youth where I'll say something or a phrase or a word. And they're like, we don't really say that anymore. And I'm like, gotcha. Like hundred percent. You need to um, yes. Thank you for your patience. Let me go ahead and tell the world that I just learned something new. Um, Yeah. Because they they're on it. Like they understand so much more about what's going on with this than I do sometimes. So that being said, that's sort of also a way I just wanted to um, share that even though there are, good words to know and terminology to use, it is important to stay on top of that and to listen to how the vernacular is changing because this is not something new in terms of how it exists as an identity or a way of someone feels about themselves. but the words around it and the terminology and the, you know, it's, that is all definitely evolving, especially for the non-binary part of things.
2: One, you know, when you say non-binary, it's, there's a delineation. Binary is two things, right? So either or, either male or female. Um, And I was in um, a training last night about gender affirming um, letters and how to, you know, practitioners and providers can really, you know, be supportive in there. And they were saying, they were talking about gender dysphoria as a DSM diagnosis um, and how they wonder if we didn't live in a binary society, if gender dysphoria would even be a thing, right? Um, So that just came to mind as an interesting topic if you had any feedback on that. And then um, there's an overlap between non-binary and trans. Can you clarify more? Because I know some people might just identify as non-binary and not be trans, vice versa, or might identify as both.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very much it, um, it oftentimes comes down to self definition and it's true. Like there are some folks who say they are like for a while, I hesitated to say that I was trans, you know, I was like, no, no, I'm neither cis nor trans. I'm just non-binary. And for me, I think it's because, um, there is this, this, um, thing known as feeling like you're not trans enough. And so I thought, well, and this was before I went through a couple of my own transition steps, such as hormone, some hormone therapy and surgery um, for my chest. I was like, oh, I'm not doing all that stuff that the people who are really struggling, like, and really are out there having to fight this day by day in our society that's not accepting of them. Like I felt very, I feel very privileged in the sense that I still have passing privilege as a cisgender person um and so for a long time that's the main reason i resisted it but when it comes to the definition of trans which is i don't feel like i um align with my gender assigned at birth and so i was like you know what like i am trans and and i'm gonna go ahead and like that was a big step for me to take that for some people that's not what they use as their defining factor but being non-binary can be underneath the trans umbrella, like, and I think that's the best way to explain it. It's just trans can be you were assigned male at birth, it turns out you are female, or you're assigned female at birth, it turns out you're male, and also the non-binary part of it fits under the umbrella as well. It basically, means in some way or another, you don't feel aligned with that gender you're assigned to, at birth. So, um, does that make sense? Like, it's it's yeah. underneath that umbrella.
0: It made my yeah. brain feel like. Um, like kind of grasp on, and it might not, it might be kind of off base. But trans almost tries like, for those who don't know the umbrella, it feels like it adds a binary, just the opposite kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, okay, well, I'm not female, so that means I identify as male. So then the non-binary being under there with it is to say I don't, you know, fully identify with either.
1: Right. Yeah. And I would say it's um because in terms of the media. Uh, we first learned about binary trans. It's like Caitlyn Jenner is a trans woman, Laverne Cox um, and even Chaz Bono. Like, it's like, that's what everybody was shown first. Cause that's what was more known about. So non-binary is still kind of like creeping up behind where it's like, wait, hold on. There's people who are non-binary. Um, and so like Sam Smith, you know, revealed that they use, they are non-binary and use they, them pronouns. And Um, for this presentation I gave earlier today, I was looking up celebrities who are non-binary so I could like put their pictures on a certain slide. And there's just more and more people who are coming out as non-binary. So the visibility really helps. It helps people who are trying to understand this, understand like, oh, so there's another layer to this as well. Like you said, it's not just male to female or female to male. There's this other way that you um, might experience gender that doesn't feel like it aligns with your assigned gender at birth.
2: And I just want to say I appreciate you saying um, during your experience there was a time where you felt not trans enough because I've definitely had clients um, that have expressed that same thing. You know, even when trying to seek out support groups, they've felt almost like I don't, I don't fit. I don't fit here and I don't fit there, and I'm not sure. So maybe it's not that. And also, it makes me want to crawl back into myself and and kind of revert from that. So I appreciate you. Kind of sharing that experience and the journey.
1: Mm, That's a really great point. Um, Even makes me think about those who are non-binary. There's, like, for instance, I myself. It's just a coincidence that, like, I have a more androgynous appearance, and so I always have to tell my audiences, you know, like, by the way, this is not non-binary. Like, ta-da, look at this androgynous person, mix of male and female. Like, okay, that's non-binary. Like, people who continue, like, in terms of their gender expression, it might. Have an appearance of being more female or male or feminine or masculine, they really have a hard time feeling that they're not non binary enough in those spaces as well.
2: Yeah, thank you. Okay. I appreciate you talking about all the different terms because, you know, we are doing our best as providers to learn and use them regularly. It's always a great reminder and reinforcement. And at the same time, most of our society is still learning these things. So kind of to segue from that, with going with the positives, what are some great things that you feel like society has done to be more affirming and inclusive of gender questioning folks or trans folks um, and non-binary individuals?
1: Excuse me. I would say that for sure it depends on place to place, even not even just like state to state, but like even town to town, Um, you know, when it comes to like even just speaking about the United States, for instance, I know, for instance, in the last election, there was some really great visibility that happened in terms of trans individuals being elected into public offices and then from there there was um, different people being appointed to very important positions in the white house who are transgender and so i think that oftentimes it's like what what does the government do what does the law do what does um, the military do like a lot of times that makes people kind of say oh this must be a thing that we're supposed to now be okay about or we're supposed to be taking more seriously so That's why, for instance, it was so damaging when things happened with the military in terms of the transgender ban and why it was so exciting when that was then removed as soon as Biden got into office, because it shows, no, like as a society, this is the direction we're moving in, not that direction. And so it can be a little confusing because, you know, are we just kind of at the whims of those bigger systems that seem to be directing things um, on the more local levels? Um, For what I can tell, it seems like a lot more people are being attentive to creating more trans-inclusive spaces. So whatever the business might be, gender-neutral bathrooms, for instance, are definitely starting to become more of a option let alone just becoming not quite the norm but I think we're we're really getting there especially spaces like college campuses um, and things like that there's more inclusion um, when it comes to the way people are paying attention to their paperwork or if you join an app and it says what's your gender and then nowadays there's more so oh it mentions non-binary or it mentions You know, you can fill in something else besides just male and female. I notice those things a lot because I myself am am that audience member who can really appreciate when I feel like I've been included in those different ways. So um, there is more in terms of celebrities and, you know, quote unquote famous people being more visible about who they are and them even saying how nervous they are to come out. And it just really humanizes the experience for all of us to say like, oh, like Elliot, you know, Elliot Page is human too, and feels super nervous about coming out to millions of people. Um, Kind of feel like this kinship going on with that. I feel like those have all created good role models, especially for those who are younger. Um, That's really been important. I would say just more therapists, more teachers, more coaches, even, you know, in the right, kind of religious spaces where people are being aware that this even exists, more parents are aware that this exists, and it gets more kids on the right path sooner, instead of so many of the clients that we work with are, I mean, it depends on when when we discovered the internet, you know, are we in our 20s? Are we in our 50s? Before we even know this is something that's happening with us. So there's a lot, there's a lot of information on the internet. And some of it can be hard, and makes things worse for clients, like some of the things they could find on YouTube or Instagram, like you were saying, but some of it is really wonderful. And um, there's just a lot more, I think the visibility part is helping us become more known and vocal as well.
0: I agree 100%. I remember Amanda and I, whenever we, um, we'd sat down and went through all of our paperwork we had listened I think it was like a podcast or something I mean I think it was like a clearly clinical podcast about mm-hmm. words like wording and and it what, was Dara's was it Dara's
1: yeah
0: like if it was there was another one of, of another woman that I was listening to so but mint maybe it was you Dara and I, <laughs> we were like holy cow let's review ours we sat down and reviewed it you know and and made changes and And when you mentioned that the difference and not even not just state to state but like how I already mentioned living in the rural but our college campuses even so there's the main campus OU in Athens super progressive and very affirming and it's kind of known for that being that environment. Um, I have a lot of clients um, that I see that go to that university but then we have branch campuses off of those and they look very different. Mm. It's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. It's like little microcosms, like, could, like you said, could even be spread out right in one area.
0: Yes. So, but we, like you said, and what we already touched on, so many mental health professionals have increased access to trainings and different ways of kind of getting that information out there, building our competency to on how to be more affirming and inclusive. So how can people, primarily as cisgender folks, you know, it's our responsibility to embody more inclusive and affirming attitudes and actions towards these populations.
1: So um, one thing I do want to mention is there's a Facebook group. Are you all aware of it? The LGBTQIA and Trans Affirming Therapist Facebook group? Um, Yes. Okay. So this is a group that would be helpful to join. And I'm trying to think, I think there's like 5,000 people in it now at this point, like it is, it's been around for quite a few years. It's gone through some interesting changes and it can be an interesting space to navigate just like any other group you're in. It's going to feel like family systems at times, but um, they're, There's, it's first of all, it's a huge database in which people can just like type in the search if there's something that they're looking for specifically in terms of a resource. There's lots of us in there that give trainings, lots of us give consultation, Um, even just the questions that people ask. It's like, ooh, like I was thinking that too. Um, It's a good mixture of therapists who are trans and who are cisgender. um, And there's just a huge, I feel like it's a huge opportunity to be sometimes even just to know like what it is that you don't know. I mean, there's stuff that pops up in there where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like thank goodness someone asked that question because I didn't even know I had that question, but it turns out I did have that. Um, I try to check it daily. Like there's really a lot of great engagement in there. So um, I can send you the link for that if you want to be able to put it in the notes. So joining a different, that's the main one that comes to mind for me because it's um, really one of the easiest ways to stay connected. I would say whatever... The you know, one's favorite social media platform is just start typing in those hashtags, you know, when it comes to just things that are trans and transgender and non binary, just seeing like real life people going through what they're doing, um, specifically when it comes to trainings regarding um, therapists who are looking for trainings around this. I I mean, I can always self promote at the end, but you know, I've got a couple of trainings. I've got a newsletter that I send out where I also make sure I mention, especially in the coming days when there's going to be more in-person conferences and we get to gather together again, there's a couple of really great ones that happen. One's in Philadelphia. um, One's in Seattle. There's I know there's just going to be more and more of these conferences coming up. And those are really my, as, as for a lot of people favorite ways to be able to, um, get the information and the education. Get to mix and mingle with other providers who are um, trans and also who are cisgender, forming networks. I just feel like that's really, that's really the key: is to be able to just start trying to find out from other people what what are your resources that you use. Oh, I have resources to share too. And then a group like the Facebook group I mentioned, there's lots of us, like I said, in there who are just like, hey, you know, that's a great question. I can provide consultation on that. So, starting off big is like, yes, attend conferences. And then, like you mentioned, you attended a training online. You can do that. You can then get one-on-one consultation from a therapist who is trans or non-binary. And so there's that's sort of the it's a funnel of sorts, I guess. I'm saying that you can tap into at any point
2: what about the, uh, lay person, right? So I'm very aware that if it's not something that you're, is, uh, a value of yours or active in your work, it might be a little more difficult to access or find those resources. What sort of resources might you say for the non-mental health professionals, non-licensed doctored folks?
1: I think, um, Yeah. And there's kind of like those, like I call the, the the people in the middle are the ones who are potentially, maybe there's some ignorance around it, but they're willing to learn and they're open to learning. And for right now, we won't talk about those who are just flat out, not going to be interested in that. But for those who potentially are interested, um, it's interesting because I know that sometimes it's oftentimes because somebody in their life ends up being like their kid might come out as being trans or non-binary or they have a student and then that's usually when people contact me they're like ah person I know is coming out and I need to know what are the things I should know and so at this point it's really great that there is so much information out there Um, like I said I think it's the same thing like with therapists following on your favorite social media like you know making sure you follow different um groups and organizations. And if you just follow the right hashtags, you can then be introduced. Like if you follow the non-binary hashtag, I'll pop up on it. And then they'll be like, oh, like there's a non-binary person. Ooh, like that's what it's like to be misgendered and to be it everybody assumes everybody's binary. Really knowing the personal experiences of people who are trans and non-binary, I would say um, is probably the number one thing because it it brings it back into that personal, relational, human level instead of it being something to try to memorize or try to logically work your way through. So um, I think that's potentially the best way. And then, like I said, just in general, keeping up with the different things that come up in the news and... Um, you know, even taking that extra step of sharing those kind of articles and having conversations with people in your life that might be difficult, who are going to try to counter what you're saying, Um, that kind of goes more into allyship. But that can be a good way to see where is it that your gaps of information are, Um, cisgender privilege, for instance, you know, where is it that as a person who isn't trans, you're going about the world, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize how often gender comes up all the time, every day, constantly, and just almost trying to like, play that little game with yourself of saying, what if I wasn't, you know, cisgender? What would that be like? And count how many times during the day you are gendered, and you're only offered a certain bathroom and people call you ladies or gentlemen. Um, I think it's a really good exercise to do as a way to have like, then that deeper experience of what it's like to be a, a trans person.
0: I love that. And it makes me too, it's like, we, like we said, we're speaking about those that are open to learning and it's like, that felt like just let yourself follow the breadcrumb trail. Like it's on us to, you know, seek out that information. It's not going to fall out of the sky into our lap. Um, But, you know, just looking, looking things up and then letting it take you to more information, basically.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah. I watched this, it was on TikTok, I talk about TikTok all the time, but they had this video, this person had their dog out and like walking their dog, and this person made it a point, you know, to to ask more specifically about the gender of a dog than we do for humans. And then you mentioned that little game to play with yourself, and I was like, you don't realize how often it comes up in, in different ways.
1: I literally mentioned that in my training earlier today. I had like a slide of my cat and my mom's dog. And I was like, how often do people get upset when their dogs or cats are misgendered? Like that's not a boy. It's a girl. And, um, and even using that as a way to, um, I know, I know a lot of youth who've like, you know, like, oh, like, oh, your cat's so cute. What's their name? Like, what are their pronouns? Oh, she, they. And so like, it's like oftentimes because you don't really know. It's like, okay, here's what their biological sex is, but we also don't know actually the gender of this animal. And so I've been loving that because it's a way that then pra- for people to practice it and say, oh, so it's okay if I use both pronouns with your cat. And then um, again, it's just all about practicing so we can recondition ourselves to, uh, like, I I mean, it happened to me too, even though I'm non-binary and trans, my brain was conditioned for over four decades of, oh, you know, everybody's either man or woman. And this is what makes a man or a woman. You know, I still have a lot of work to do around that as we all do. So it takes daily practice to get around that.
2: Yeah. And just, you know, recognizing those those instances throughout your day. Right. Obviously, as you do the work, you start to recognize it more and more. You know, if you, I was out to lunch a week ago and, you know, the server came up and said, hey, ladies. Well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> um, and then with the privilege piece, it resonated for me in that same training last night. I learned that because um, it was a panel of non-binary and trans folks and they were talking about support groups and you know, they kind of joked and said, well, you know, a lot of times it's just us and they whining about the sissies, you know, the cisgendered folks. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, mm-hmm. at first I felt a dagger and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that's your privilege that allows you to feel that way. You let mm-hmm. that go. They can call us sissies as much as they want to, right? So like just in those moments, recognizing those mm. parts, yeah.
1: Interesting. I'm just, I'm so excited that you attended a training like that though. And that you had, yeah, that's, um, yeah. Writing letters is a huge help for so many people. It can be a very intimidating process.
2: Yeah. And okay. So our last piece before we wrap up here, obviously we could talk all day long. Okay. We talked about the good things. What about those folks that, what do you, what is your reply? What do you recommend people reply kind of falls into that allyship? For people that discredit transgender, non-binary folks experience, like, oh, that's not a thing. Where was that when I was younger? That that's just all, you know, a fad now, or what do you what do you say to those folks?
1: Um, to be honest, I don't engage with folks very much who <laughs> are like that because the the energy that it takes. Um, and it depends. Like if it's something where it's very personal to me, or if there's a situation with a client, I don't um, usually work with teens. And one of the reasons is because not because of the teens, but because of difficulties with um, parents who are not accepting, I just found it so hard (laughs) to navigate those situations. And I'm so grateful for any therapist who is able to navigate that with parents and kids, because that's like, Oh, that just like breaks my heart. Like knowing how often, like you said, about somebody who discredits the fact that trans exists, if it is a parent of a child who is expressing the fact that they are trans, that is going to be one incredibly painful childhood for that kid um, if they're not able to get the support they need. So. I know that I've worked with, um, and I'll just bring therapists into this, but a lot of therapists who are trying to figure out what to do with that. And it's like this delicate balance of trying to, like, give psychoeducation around, like, here's some statistics about suicide and trans youth, and here's, like, the proof that this exists. And that will sometimes get through, like, especially if somebody's more like science minded or statistics minded, or they're like, oh, the association of such and such said that, well, maybe I'll consider it. That is always an option. If you feel like that can be something that can be helpful. Um, And it is pretty easy nowadays, just to Google that and come up with that information that you need. And if somebody is still resistant to that, then I mean, you're just really reaching something where that person has a certain core belief or maybe they have their own stuff that they are afraid to face and are projecting that onto onto others unfortunately where it is best if there's way to, ways to create boundaries and if there's somebody being impacted by that, how can you support that person instead? And so that's kind of where I shift the focus to like, okay, who is this person that's being unsupportive and how can I support this other person? Um, depends on if it's professional or personal, but like you said, as an ally, you know, if somebody continues to purposely misgender, meaning using the wrong pronouns or calls them by the wrong name, um, just intervening. And, and even if it's just subtle and you're like, um, no, actually they're, per- you know, this person's pronouns, are they, them, or actually that's, that's not their name. This is their name. You know, that takes a lot of courage to step up. And so it depends on your situation if you feel safe doing that, but really showing up for that person, even if the disgruntled person continues what they're doing, you are showing the the person whose trans are non-binary, like I see you and I, respect you and I'm not okay with the way this person's treating you. Let me see if I can help. And at least they can feel, cause that's what can end up happening is that somebody can feel like nobody cares. And if we're silent and not stepping up for that person, um, then that really leaves a mark. And so actually showing up for a person who's in that situation can go a really long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have a client like similar when we were talking about like how to, like our system and not just paperwork, but I had a client, um, come out to me as trans, but didn't feel emotionally safe to come out to parent, um, so then, you know, and I had a good discussion with them on, you know, what, how do you want me to interact with, with your family, you know, if, if that, those interaction would come up and, um, and then where in the chart do I put that information for myself? You know, so that way it's not accessible by, you know, others. It's not part of clinical record. And yeah, and you show up for them every session. And I respect the things that they've told me. And, you know, they have, you know, their trans name that they have you know chosen that I use and pronouns changes and things. So it's very, I was going to, you already kind of answered the questions on like, you know, how can we advocate for them if family has their own core beliefs, you know, and it comes down to safety and that my client requested that I that I don't do that because it would make them feel more unsafe if I brought it up. So
1: yeah, that came up a lot in today's training because um, it was with a community organization that d- provides a lot of therapy and life skills and casework for youth. And that was that's the first question. They're like, how do we handle this situation where you have got the parents who are this, and then here's the teen who's this, or even a kid who's this. And there's no great answer for it because it's like, in the end, it's like, all right, what's the most like the best of two evils? Like, all right, is it that you don't get, we don't get to properly gender you in front of your parents, but it, but it's that conversation you have with the, the trans person and saying, okay, this is really, let's, let's, um, you know, so that person can feel empowered in terms of making what is a really hard decision, but so that they know at some point, like you will be able to do what you need to do. I support you. I'm here for you as you go through what's a really, really hard time for you right now. Let's make some hard choices. How are you going to do this with your parents? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like you said, showing them all the support you can.
0: Definitely. And, you know, as we, as we wrap up and thank you so much again, for being here with us and, and taking the time, um, is there, we always ask, um, all of our guests, if there's one thing that they would like to live our, leave our community with, like whether it's like a tidbit of information, a saying, a mantra, anything, and then where can our guests find you?
1: Sure. Um, I'm pretty verbose, so I'm bad at tidbits, but I would say that being, it really is something, like I mentioned before, is that the best thing you can do is practice every day not making gender assumptions. So it means going through, I mean, it doesn't, like now that we're able to go out in public a bit more, like practice it constantly. Like anytime you hear the word he or she come out of your mouth and if you happen to use ma'am or sir and words like that, especially, but even he or she, you have just made an assumption about someone's gender. Even if you're just talking about that person over there or that kid over there, um, catch yourself And remind yourself, like, I don't know that person's gender. And so find other ways to use gender neutral language to describe them. Um, Try using really, really try using they, them pronouns, practice that because that is going to be like, especially as our youth get older, like there's gonna be tons of adults using they, them pronouns, and so you might as well get used to it now. And that's something that people grumble about. But Might as well just start practicing it. And I promise with practice, it really does get easier. So same thing about making gender assumptions. Like until you actually know from that person their pronouns, then you don't actually know. Um, So figure out ways, let's say, for instance, whether whatever your profession is, how can you get that information early on? Um. Is it through paperwork? Is it through introducing yourself with your pronouns? The sooner that you can do all of that early on, then you'll know. And then you can be able to navigate gendered language um, together in that way. That's, that's so beautifully
2: put. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so beautifully put. Make it more accessible. Make it more normal as a part of our daily conversation and language. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Oh, I, OK, I could go off on a tangent, but I won't. We'll wrap up. Um, so thank you for that little tidbit. And we appreciate you again for being here. Um, yes, please. If you want to email me those links, like the Facebook group, wherever your book is.
1: Yeah, you bet. Oh, yeah. You asked how to find me. Yeah. <laughs> I, have have a, me. I have a main website that I can send you the link for. It's DaraHoffmanFox.com. And I would say... Yes, the um, primary resources I have to share would be my book, You and Your Gender Identity, A Guide to Discovery. You can order it on Amazon if you want, but if you order it from me, it's signed and I also get to keep most of the proceeds. Um, There are a couple of courses I have online, so I'll send my information for the Trans Affirming Therapist Academy. I have a newsletter, And then I also provide consultation. And so and my website is also filled with all the podcast interviews I've ever done, the blog that I used to write as well. So my YouTube channel, I have a YouTube channel that's been around since 2014. You can see what I looked like before I knew I was non-binary and see the interesting developments over the years um, besides just learning more information through that. So the main hub is my main website. So I'll be sure to send you all the various links for that.
2: Awesome. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. I'm so excited that people can kind of go follow you now and continue on this learning journey. All right. Thank you again for being here. Uh, To all of our listeners and viewers, as always, please like, comment, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, you don't know when the next episode is coming up. Um, And please leave comments. You know, if you have any questions, feedbacks for our guests, Sarah, I'm sure would be happy to, you know, have those forwarded along. Um, And we can really make sure that we get some feedback for you or at least, you know, share your love for their sharing here today. And then next week, we are going to have Morgan Bennett. She is going to be talking about traumatic brain injury, trauma and anxiety and what it's like from a lived experience of someone with those conditions. So be sure to tune in for that. And I do want to mention just as a um, side note after today's podcast, we do have Leslie Um, Leslie Cook, who we had talking about ADHD and neurodevelopmental disorders, she's with me coming back um, in a couple months here in, I think, August, yeah, uh, September, to talk about parents and how they can support their children coming out. So a continued conversation of the advocacy effort for those that are interested. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next time. Take care.
0: Thank you. Take care. Bye.